0: But, but now, one of our mantras in this church is uh, that we're all about filling hearts, fueling mission. Mission's important, mission's an overflow of a full heart. And so today, as we come into this sort of back end of the year, so to speak, where many of us are starting to feel a weariness, I, I want to give this series as a way of filling your heart. And um, I guess the why will always come out. Why are we talking about something like the power, the transforming power of the Holy Spirit? And it's very simple. It's because you, you were created, you were designed, your, your DNA is, is formed in such a way that this life that you're called to live can't be lived without the presence and the power, tangible power of God in your life. In the West, that's an anomaly. In the West, we're embedded with the mindset of humanism, of self-determination, where we say, I have all that I have, and this is what we'll hear in the media, you have what it takes, let me tell you. With all respect, you don't. You don't. You can't do it. You haven't got the strength to do what God's called you to be. You haven't got the strength to be who God's called you to be. You can't break through. You can't change. You can't heal your heart. You can't do all those things because you're designed to be in community with the God of the universe and He cares and what matters to you matters to Him. But only as much as we can lean into that and partner with Him does it take effect. And I realise too in this church, this strange church, that we are this church that's still forming still figuring itself out still growing that i'm addressing a broad spectrum of people here some of us are we're fully on board we don't need the sermon we just just let us go let's pray for people and let's be at it and you'll get your chance tonight and today we'll be praying for people as well but some are in the middle and saying look i'm all for I've, I've done the spiritual gift survey i understand uh, the technicalities, I'm, I'm in agreement, it's not Father, Son and Holy Scriptures, I recognise that the, the Holy Spirit's got a, a place there, but largely there's had no real impact in your life. It's been a great theory, it's been a great nod of the head, but when it comes to tomorrow and you working out in your workplace and getting on with that hard boss and that difficult situation and the contract that has just fallen over, you feel like it's just you, it's just your intuition, it's your strength, it's your ability and your logic that gets you out of that. But there's so much more. The vision of God over your life is so much more than that. It can be so, bro- so much broader and higher, so much more impacting for the world than just getting by, surviving the day, and climbing the next rung on your, your ladder, whatever that is. And then there'll be others here, and no doubt there'll be those who've come from all sorts of church backgrounds and, or non-unchurch backgrounds, de-churched backgrounds. I'm one of those guys. I've been unchurched, I've been de-churched, I've been everything. <laughs> Sanitised, pasteurised, baptised... <laughs> You know, many of you have heard my story. I've had the benefit of coming from a, a non-religious, anti-religious background, so I've had to learn, unlearn, relearn and de-learn the whole lot over and over again. I'm one of the most curious and inquisitive minds I know with all this sort of stuff because for me, I know there's so much at stake, but I also understand there's a whole group of people who are incredibly cautious and unconvinced about the credibility of the Holy Spirit working in our life, how powerful that can manifest in in this era of human history. There's plenty of anecdotes of mistakes, things gone wrong, bad practice, bad theology, bad this, bad that. I know, they're all out there. But the bad does not nullify the power and the goodness of God and his ability to do whatever he likes in whichever way he wants. And so being too, too scared of what can go wrong is not a reason not to embed ourselves fully in what can go right and what Scripture tells us to go right. And so what we try to do here is embrace the fullness of that journey with incredible love, with incredible acceptance of where everyone's at, and tolerance of our personality types and all the things that go with that. But from my stance as someone coming into the church, I figured out within about two minutes that even a cursory read of the New Testament tells you that God's people, if the Bible is true about this, can do pretty much anything. God's people can walk on water, they can uh, raise people from the dead, they can, do, they can multiply food, they can do all sorts of incredible things. But our experience of our own life in that sense leaves us with this niggling sense of being unconvinced that He will. We know He can, we know it's possible, I'm incredibly unsure that He will, because I've prayed a prayer once or twice or 3,000 times and expecting that God will do what only God can do, being completely reliant and it hasn't happened the way I want it or when I wanted. And so we get left with lingering doubts. The great thing is you're in great company because we're all in the same boat and even the disciples who walked with Jesus had exactly the same experience even immediately after he'd just risen from the dead. It says, just before he was commissioning, commissioning them and going, he said, they worshipped but some still doubted. So it's okay, you're human, I'm human. This is a mess, this is a journey um, but there's just so much more that we can embrace, there's so much more that we can be a part of in our life. And a lot of it's because we don't understand the paradigm of the journey. We think that just because it's possible, it should be probable right now, we don't understand that pretty much everything in God's kingdom starts as a mustard seed, including faith, and it grows. And our role, as Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians, uh, Paul sowed seed, Apollos watered the seed, only God can make things grow, but we have a role. We plant the seed, we water the seed. And faith and uh, seeing God's miraculous ways a part of that journey. But when we, can, we compare our own journey with scripture, um, we might conclude other things. We might conclude, well, it was for then and, and not for now. Maybe it's for special people, but not for me. And so some of us drift into a, a degree of skepticism about that. And so all of that mixed together leaves us with little idea of what a valid goal is to aim at. Where are we going with this? What's the target on the wall? What does it look like first prize, When a group of people like us, fully disparate in our beliefs, in our philosophies, in our personality types, in our levels of faith, our skills, experience, gifting, anointing, all of that, what does first prize look like? It's a fascinating question. I've grappled with it for 15, no, add three to that, 18 years now. That's the question that's been driving my ministry. What's first prize? And we'll probably get to that by the end of this series. But many of us, including myself, have spent many years addressing the issue but what I've found is, because I've, ad- I've addressed the questions add nauseum, in this environment, in other environments, and even when I think I've managed to address the issues satisfactorily, I've found it rarely incites anyone to take a step further. Isn't that funny? You'd think giving the apologetic and explaining and giving the logic would inspire us to take the step, but Christianity has never been about a logic-based step alone. Logic's important, it's just inadequate. Jesus never went there, he, he just said those who seek will find. You know, if you pursue him, he'll, he'll allow himself to be found. By, it's, this is, he's talking about relationship, desire, passion. And this is the essence of all I have to say. For the next three weeks, six messages, and an encounter night, you could bypass the whole lot with a simple thing called human zeal. Zeal for God, zeal for his house then very little of the theory really matters. But what I want to do is just spend a bit of time allowing you and creating a space for us to take that journey. I want to birth a desire for more. I want to birth that passion because so much more is possible. I want to build faith in you that God is always with you. And that conversation is much broader and much deeper than I talk about supernatural things or miraculous or overt things. It's much deeper than that. In fact, that can be the the most easily formed sidetrack we can come up with because he's about much more than that. He's about that, but he's about much more than that. Because he wants to talk into transforming your soul, providing you impact in your workplace and your homes, all those sorts of things that I know matter to you, more than seeing miracles when you lay your hand on someone. Because your story is about your trials, your family, the things that you want to have, and God wants to speak into that place. So what I'd like to do is kick it off with a bit of testimony. Nothing builds faith in the house better than testimony, I want to welcome up Dr. Jeff War, if Jeff could come on up, I'm hoping Jeff's here, uh, come on up Jeff, if you could just welcome Jeff with us as he comes up, <laughs> Jeff, is, um, Jeff is probably the most humble living legend Amen. that I know, <laughs> he wants to sit down and listen to the intro now, but uh, I can't tell you the world of respect I have for this man as a man. Uh, I first met him uh, at another church, we sat together, and, and I'm one who normally works freely in the Holy Spirit and, and love that space, and, and I've been working in my office one day, and, and I've been just in my own headspace, Jeff walks in to say good day, and suddenly I start sprouting out words of knowledge, and so does he, and we just start getting busy doing a relay of words of knowledge, and I thought, this guy I like, when he comes in the room, things shift, and we ended up over in Africa, and seeing... Uh, some of the manifest miracles you see in Scripture, uh, food multiplied, all that sort of stuff, we, we see it over there. And Jeff's a lecturer, or was, at uh, Christian Heritage College. He's still there, Jeff, doing stuff? No, you're done with that? Over all the religious people. He's written many papers and books um, on revival. Uh, he's a missiologist in many ways and, and loves working in indigenous cultures and flowing in the miraculous. So come on up, Jeff. I just want to just see where we're going to go here. I'm never quite sure. But. Um... That's got to be the best intro you've had all week. uh... I don't know who that
1: fellow is. (laughs)
0: So I I asked Jeff this week and each week of these three weeks, I just want to get one of our own up to talk and share. Um, Maybe not so much about big deal miracles because sometimes they can be so far detached from life. We go, that's great for them, but it's not for me. I want to talk about you and your transformation, what God's done in your heart and how that's overflowed into into your missional experience.
1: Well, I'm about the opposite of you because I grew up in a Christian family. Dad was a Baptist minister, so there was no avoiding it for me. Actually, I loved it. I, I enjoyed going to church, and I was a really good Pharisee. I was one of the best. I studied the Bible. I believed in conversions. I went out after conversions. That's, that's what we did in those days. Um, I, I obeyed all the rules. We had so many don'ts. You know, yep. don't do this and that, Don't even dance. My daughter has a PhD in dance education. But we, I, I would never be able to go that way. And it was kind of like, for me, it was natural to be religious. Even this morning, I found myself being a really good Pharisee. When you said, let's pray, I did a Pavlov Dog's reaction, you know. Let's pray, shut your head, I mean, yep. shut your eyes, bow your head. That's what you do, isn't it? Let's pray. That's what I did sitting back there when you said, let's pray for Ezra. And I thought, this is stupid. So I opened my eyes and looked at Ezra. Ezra was having a really good time with his daddy and his mummy and his sister. And I was blessing them. I had to get free today of my religious background. And for me, discovering the Holy Spirit in new dimensions meant that. A freedom from my churchiness, the stuff that I'd known all my life. And that happened so simply. I was sitting on the floor. Some friends of mine had been filled with the Spirit. In a, in a kind of a Pentecostal way, and I was very cautious about that. Uh, you know, my Baptist background had all, all kinds of questions on that one. And, and they said, Well, we got healed of arthritis, we got healed of a critical spirit. That's what impressed me. They were full of love, whereas before they'd been a bit, you know, had to be careful, walk on eggshells around them, didn't have to do that anymore. They'd, they'd changed, their lives were different. And I said, uh, How did that happen? And they said, oh, well, some people prayed for us, we got healed, we got filled with the Spirit, we spoke in tongues, and uh, we changed. We got transformed. It was the transformation that got me in. Mm. And I said, well, if there's more of the Holy Spirit and there's more of Jesus, I want more. But I didn't even know how to ask for it. I was already a minister, but I still didn't know how to ask for this more. But fortunately, with this word of knowledge stuff, uh, they knew the Lord revealed to them, I guess, that they knew I wanted more. And they said, you want more, don't you? And I said, well, yes, very cautious. So he's still sitting on the floor. And so they came across, put their hands on me and prayed for me. And I had a bath in love. Now, intellectually, I knew Come God on now, loved
0: theolo- me. theologize that.
1: Yeah, well, I, when I was five years old, I knew that God loved me. You know, Jesus loves me. This I know for the Bible tells me so. I believed that. I don't know when I got converted because I always believed that stuff. But that day, I experienced what I knew intellectually it was just, I don't know, just immersed in love. And what does that mean? What is- it meant that I'm, I'm kind of now more aware that we just live in God's love. Whether we're aware of it or not, we actually live in God's love and we live in God's light. Everywhere you go, there's light. When I drive along Moggle Road now, I just find myself saying, thank you. You know. really easy prayer. Uh, Looking at the world around, I just want to say thank you. I I find myself saying really short prayers like help. That's a great (laughs) one, you know. You need to pray that one a lot, you know, quite a few times every day. Help. He's there and he's there to help us to answer the prayer that Zellman said. Now, he'll give you wisdom when you need it in the middle of your job, in the middle of your family crisis. Help. Done that one a lot ah, help, or sorry. That's a good one. You know, prayers can be real, natural, and free rather than religious like they used to be for me.
0: Because you feel like they're obligated to before but now it's an overflow of something very different.
1: Yeah, it's like just letting God do whatever God wants to do. And, and, and sometimes it's really funny. It's like it's different from what you expect. Like in, in, <laughs> I've been with the Churches of Christ in Vanuatu and I've uh, been helping them to, you know encouraging them to believe and and do whatever god is telling them to do and of course they always have back pain they carry all these great loads of taro so the ladies there always have back pain i said well you know you can pray for each other you can actually put your hand on somebody's back and pray for them now they're used to the minister maybe doing that but not many ministers do that either they they preach about it and they read the bible about it but they don't actually do it Mm. so i was encouraging them to do it and one day in one of the services, i said this is this is the way you do it said who'd like prayer for their back i knew there'd be lots of women there that needed prayer for their back and so one old lady the oldest lady in the building i think put her hand up so i went down and i said well this is and i was talking to them about how you can we can all pray for one another about anything and everything and the more we do it the more we see the spirit of god transforming us and transforming the people we're praying for. So I put my hand on her back and I was explaining to them, all you have to do is just pray, like be healed in Jesus' name. Do it the New Testament way. <laughs> or you can pray, God heal her in Jesus' name. And, and they were, I was explaining this to them and the women were chattering away in their own language and they were laughing and laughing. And I thought, what did I say that was so funny? And I said, well, what's funny? And they said, oh, you don't need to pray. She's already healed. I had, it kind of spoiled my lesson. Yeah. I was I was yeah. teaching them how to pray for healing, and it had already happened. So you you never know how God's going to just bless you as you respond to the prompting of His Spirit. Amen. Mate, I might draw it
0: there because that's uh, you could get your preach on, and, and I'll lose the crowd. But that, what are those books you've got there?
1: <laughs> yeah, well, you, you can go to what's it called? Kim Church Community. Uh, Facebook, Facebook page, and you yep. can read this stuff. It's, uh, um, so you posted that this morning? It's all yep. there, yeah, and it's in PDFs or something, where it's free for you to read, but it's about stuff that I've seen God do in so many places around the world, and for me, it's surprising. I called it God's surprises. He just keeps surprising us because it's so natural and so real, and it's not really religious. Like, yes. Jesus wasn't very religious. But like it's said, very hard, it's hard to get a grid journey. for that, isn't
0: it, when all you've known of, of your God experience is your church experience, and it's, it's got rules. It's got, this is how we do stuff. And yeah. so it's, it's very hard for us to break out.
1: And he, he, he breaks us free from that. And it's, it's like Jesus was natural. No, loving people. Especially people who are messed up. Like, like he, he, he had such a heart for people. Like, a you know, woman in the adultery. Well, I don't mm-hmm. condemn you. We do. But he said, I don't condemn you. Now, off you go. Don't, don't sin anymore. So, he brought transformation just by loving people like he loves all yeah. of us. Yeah,
0: fantastic. Thanks, mate. That's great.
1: Thank you, Jeffrey.
0: <laughs> yeah, I can really see... Um It's so true what Jeff says because um, there's there's an old mantra that says a person with an experience, um, oh, how does that go? It never never loses an argument to a person with an argument, something like that. (laughs) A really great quote. (laughs) But I can see why. I'm glad you guys love me, hey? Let's just go with the flow a little bit this morning Uh, because God wants to work in your life. But I can really see why when Paul uh, gets to the Ephesian church in Ephesians 1, Ephesians 3, and he says, look, you guys are doing awesome. And I could say the same of our church. So, so much has been going well amongst us. But he says, oh, gee, if I had a prayer, it would be that God would reveal himself in a way that your mind can never work out. That, that before you get too religious about it, that we, we, just, we live from this relationship, that we know the, the heights and breadth, because nothing transforms a heart more than a knowledge and awareness of God's love uh, for us his character, and that love in itself transforms us. And when you start to get these sorts of miracles in your life, as, as, uh, as Jeff's seen, as many of us here have seen, you, you literally can't unsee it. You can't unsee it. It redefines how you define your Christian life. Um, so what I, what I wanna do is, maybe if we could just take the next slide up, is Jeff was talking about more, and you can see I've, I've put the M-O-R-E in, that, in this little infograph here. We've used this before, and I'm not gonna go into much depth, but we talk about the different ways the Holy Spirit works in our life. Some of them are overt up the top, some are hidden, we can't see it. And that's absolutely normal and completely valid. Some happen suddenly, like uh, the healings that Jeff was talking about, some happen slow. And so, the, the, in the realm of all that the New Testament talks about, how God works in us and through us in our life, um, all of it's valid. And our personality types, if you're introverted and reflective, you're going to tend more towards the, uh, the purple zone there. In fact, I do have the stats on this, but the majority of Queenslanders and Australians naturally gravitate to a reflective engagement with the Holy Spirit because that's our personality type, so we lean more easily into that space. Okay, so that's just normal. It doesn't mean it's right. It doesn't mean it's all there is. It just means that's the way we gravitate. So we'll find ourselves in conservative churches. Birds of a feather will flock together. All that kind of thing, and we get stuck in our own echo chamber uh, in a, in, a, in self agreement about what is a natural expression because that's the way we do it. And one of the things about Churches of Christ is it's a it's a broad invitation to a pool uh, where we invite everyone to come and drink. And maturity says I'm I'm all for all of us who are in any area of these in their life as long as it's backed up by Scripture. So this sort of model eases our minds somewhat where we start to say, Yeah, I'm okay, uh, I'm normal. Um, But again, it does little to incite our heart to take the journey, because we can almost feel like, well, I'm in the room, we're talking about the Holy Spirit, and we're talking about the supernatural. I was there, so now when someone talks about it, I can nod my head and go, I'm in agreement with that. But it seldom incites us to to jump in the river. As, As Jeffrey so wisely said, the river of God is always flowing. The power of God is always there his ability to give you strength and comfort and peace and transformation, it never ends. It's, it's whether we are engaging with that and normally the way we're thinking becomes a gateway to that. And so in this series, I'm going to talk about in the mornings three different areas. One is uh, transformation, how the Holy Spirit transforms you. So we're not talking about overt miracles there. Now we're talking about the stuff people can't see, the inner work of transformation that is incredibly valid, which, uh, but is, is so rare that we find in Western church. Next week, we'll talk about overcoming. We're talking about how God gives you what you can't give to yourself to overcome in your life situation, wherever that is. And then today, I'm just going to touch briefly on impact, where God does something that gets attention with the miraculous and so on, changes things, disrupts the natural order, all that sort of thing, healing, uh, spiritual gifts, prophecy, mercy, miracles, all those sorts of things. Now we're also running this series at night, and Zelvin's talking into very different things. He's going to be talking this, uh, this week into who is the Holy Spirit, Next week, into what is Pentecost? Can't wait to hear that one. And then the following week at night, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So, we're covering quite a few bases here with all of this. There's something for everyone. And again, the encounter night tonight, it's going to be very little teaching, next to no teaching. We're just going to pray for you. We're just going to invite the Holy Spirit to come and heal and impact people's lives. So, today we're talking impact, where God does something overt and amazing. And I just want to bring scripture straight into this because the Apostle Paul normalizes this whole idea that the overt work of god the miraculous is a normal part of christian experience he says in romans 15 i won't venture to speak of anything except what christ has accomplished through me in leading the gentiles to obey god by what i've said what i've done and by the power of signs and wonders through the power of the spirit of god so from jerusalem all the way to to eliquium i have fully proclaimed the gospel of christ key words for me there are fully proclaimed so he's saying the, the, the full proclamation of the kingdom, it has to come through uh, what he said. So the words are there. Good teaching, good apologetic, good rationale. There's lots of that around. By what we've done, that's the Christian mission side. That's where we, we live out mercy and, and grace and we impact the world by, the, by the, the, the good living that we do, that we impact society in that way. But then he, he makes a big point there by the power of signs and wonders. So there's the words there's the works and there's the wonder. Normally, we're happy to grab two of those three and we're more comfortable in two of the three, but a fully balanced fellowship will have all three words, works, and wonder. And the wonder being the demonstration through power. That is almost, it's not a full stop on, on the other two. It's like saying, it's just, it's even as Jesus said, I've, I've proven myself, I've authenticated what I've said by the miracles. If you don't believe me, believe the miracles. So a few questions around that. Do we see this today? Is it still happening? Um, Yes, the short answer is yes. We still see miracles. We see them here in this church and we see them uh, globally as well, but it's not consistent. We don't see them all the time. We don't see them everywhere. We don't see them every time. And so different cultures globally see more or less overt work of the Holy Spirit. Different churches see more or less. So in in our Western context, different fellowships will see more or less because of their own emphasis, their teaching and so on. And different people within fellowships will see more or less. So in this room, there'll be people who say, yeah, I see miracles recreationally. It just seems to happen wherever I go. Others haven't seen one ever, some sporadically. So do they still happen today? Yes, they do in different levels. Should we see more? Can we see more? Is there more that we can have? Short answer again, what do you think? Yes. And it happens where people are hungry, for God. Hungry physically it happens. For nations uh, that no need and want, it happens around those of us who are in pain or seeking God passionately, there is more. Where it's taught on, where it's practiced, there is more. So let me give you a few principles to understand uh, as we, we approach this over the next few weeks. First one is this, not everyone sees everything all the time. Let me repeat that, not every one of us sees everything that's in Scripture all the time. See, the book of Acts, even the book of Acts, which you think, mate, look at this thing. It's a highlight reel of 30 years of church life. So there's, there's stuff happening over a long period of time compressed into a highlight reel. We think, wow, look at all that stuff that's going on. That was over an extended period. But I do guarantee that we should and we can experience all that's in there and more. But we won't see all of us not everyone has the same spiritual gifts there's no single gift that's been given by that's received by all so it's all unique we're all different members of the body second one is those who see and work in the holy spirit powerfully are no more holy than anyone else we'd like to think it's for the special people because it sort of lets us off the hook but we know how sinful we all are and we think that's what abdicates us from working in god's grace but what I've found through hard lessons is there is no intrinsic connection in life between your character, your holiness, and your ability to work in God's power. I wish there was. It would be far less embarrassing because there'd be only godly people who don't say stupid things and, and have wrong theology and all this stuff. There would only be those guys doing the miracles. We go, oh, look how credible they are. But uncredible people do incredible things. And you think, That's so frustrating, God, because I see the miracles and it's done by some... (laughs) Nothing adequately fits that space and can be recorded, who just embarrasses the the worldwide church by their, their huge character failings or all the things they've done and said wrong or where they've completely missed the mark and it totally nullifies this thing, which was awesome. I wish they were connected, but they're not. Why? Because grace isn't merited you just got to say yes and receive it. So they just seem to say yes more. Okay, another one that comes uh, quite often, uh, more, through, more in this state than in other states that I've, that I've spoken at, that working with the Holy Spirit is not just emotionalism. Sometimes it's called, oh, they just, they're just getting wound up. This is just happening because everyone's all very excited right now. It's not just that. But passion, passionately seeking God particularly, does help because it creates an environment where God is welcome, where, where there's worship and so on, and he finds that environment irresistible. You know the story in, uh, in the early chapters of Gospel of Mark where it said Jesus could not do many miracles there, an incredible concept, that the God of the universe was constrained by the mentality and the terrible thinking of humanity who took him for granted, and so therefore he could not do many miracles there. So passionately seeking does help. Next one, there's no formula that you or God are constrained to follow. Again, I wish there was. I wish A plus B plus C always equal D. It'd be so equal to to teach that. You're in pain. We pray a prayer. If it doesn't work, we pray and fast, and then you're healed. I wish it always did that. It confounded me for years, that one. And I was complaining to God about that because I was running uh, sessions at another church at night and we were seeing the miraculous happen, we were seeing incredible things week on week, but we were still burying people. Not everyone was being healed of everything, the, the death rate's still 100.0% amongst all of us. It was very frustrating for me and so I was saying, God, why the inconsistency? Why can't you just set it up so we can teach with confidence how you work? And some weeks later when I'd forgotten to pray anymore, Uh, had a very strong, clear word from God. If I answered every prayer that you pray, there'd be no requirement for faith. Oh, I don't even agree with that. took me a while. I had to bounce it off some very credible Baptist theologians. So they're Baptists, so you know they're right. Um, (laughs) What do you think about this as theology? I didn't say, I I reckon I heard it from God. I said, what do you think about this? Uh, And they said, no, that's actually true. Because we're not relying on the formula. We've got to rely on God. We're leaning on him. We're not pursuing the gifts. We're pursuing the giver of the gifts. And he finds a way to sort our motives out and say, "I'm not. don't get sidetracked by a sideshow. Don't let that replace your hunger for me personally because the success or the failure is going to get you addicted or running away. But I need you to pursue me. So there's no formula. And not every problem, not every prayer is answered how and when we expect it to be in the way that we think it should be very frustrating for us western people so the key here for us though is to is to get to the heart of what jesus was getting to the heart at he said i'm with you always that was the key message emmanuel god is with us but his presence isn't a passive presence he's not just walking beside you through your day cheering you on he's doing that but he's in you empowering you to take dominion where he's placed you I'm not talking about dominion theology here, which goes a little bit off track. I'm talking about credible Christian theology that says you have a boundary of influence that he's given to you in your workplace and in your home, and he's given you authority to let, as it is in heaven, let it be on earth in those environments. He is not a passive presence. You are not alone, and your strength is insufficient to do what he's calling you to do, even now, even here, but certainly on a Monday. Jesus said you can do nothing without me and we figured out ways to do plenty without him haven't we we just got to turn up and be faithful we can put a whole church service on without him if we put our mind to that heaven forbid that we would do that but I think what he was saying there is in the context of bearing kingdom fruit if you want to bear fruit not just do good works thanks for the works but if you want to bear fruit you can't do that without me You need to partner with me. It needs to be my spirit working through you. And he's setting the bar a bit higher than what we do for what is a normal Christian life. So, how do we grow this? Uh, Just to summarize this this short message. Well, as a church, how do we grow this? As a church, we have to create pathways for you, opportunities to help facilitate that journey. And we do that. So, we have the encounter services, we have uh, six week intensives that we run twice a year with uh, spiritual retreats, we have training. Um, we have all the things that we can think of to do to create a space where you can encounter God and learn and be trained in how to walk credibly and minimize the foolishness about how this all works. We create healthy boundaries. We do this safely, as safe as we humanly can. So we give you solid biblical teaching on the do's and the don'ts, uh, there's plenty to say in Scripture about that. And we also recognize and release those among us who are proven trustworthy, proven credible, uh, who have been approved in their gifts and their anointings and their character and so on, and they're the ones that we allow to lay a hand on you in our formal praying environments and so on. So even though, as Jeff says, everyone's able to play in God's kingdom, the sandpit's there for all of us. As a church, when we say, come and receive prayer and we will pray for you, they're people who have been trained, they've been tested and proven credible in that, okay? So there's some safety there. Um, and we exercise a bit of discretion about where and when things happen. So this, on a Sunday morning, this isn't and won't be a free-for-all. This isn't a place of chaos because God says when you gather together, there's to be good order. I mean, our idea of order and His, I think is probably a little bit different and we can work on that. But there are different spaces and rooms that it's more appropriate to practice and, and, and invite the Spirit to work in different ways. Because we have people here who aren't Christians. They are, they're in the room. Christians, you realise that? So we have, to, we have to have language, practice, all those sorts of things that embraces everyone and says you're welcome on this journey into a life that's beyond you. That's a little bit scary sometimes but incredibly exciting and full of joy. So as a person, that's how we do it as a church, as a person, how do you grow in this? Well, you've got to pursue the giver more than the gifts but not at the exclusion of the gifts. Normally we will say that, oh, I'm pursuing the giver but scripture's very clear Pursue the gifts of the Holy Spirit, Paul says. Don't be slack in that area. Uh, don't pursue the giver and not the gifts, but don't pursue the gifts without the giver. Uh, and just dedicate yourself to that journey. So we want to help you with that. There's one pivotal verse, I want to close on this, in 1 Corinthians 14, where Paul's talking about this very thing, about how do we do this safely as a church and not, you know, blow people up and see real transformation. Very insightful little verse. He says, The spirits of the prophets are subject to the control of the prophets. What a fascinating verse. What the heck does that mean? It almost seems like it comes out of context. But he's saying the spirit, so your spirit, not the Holy Spirit, God's spirit. He's saying your spirit within you that dwells with the spirit of God. And if you're someone who's prophetic, which literally means I'm just saying what I sense God is saying. It's it's, it's a prophetic thing. It might be in a form of teaching or it might be a declaration or so on. So the spirits of those who do that are subject to the control of themselves. So he's saying, this is a partnership. This isn't just uh, a free-for-all. This isn't just uncontrolled, let's just come together and, and, and then see what happens. No, he's saying, there's a role to play by us in all the gifts and all the personalities that God's given us. There's arms, legs, ears, and mouths, and so on, all trained and all growing in our journey. And he's saying, there's room for all of you And what we do in the New Testament community is we come together in agreement with accountability and we work together and we bring each other to life, but ultimately we have the say in what I say and what I do. He's given us that authority. He's given us that right to be self-controlled. Self-controlled. So even though the Spirit's within us and able to work powerfully all the time, I can throttle that. I can articulate that in ways that don't scare people, that don't sound stupid and aren't bad theology. They're subject to my mental processes being in good order to having a good breadth of understanding about how God can work, the different ways he can work and understanding theology the whole bit. In other words, walking with the Spirit is not a passport to being stupid. It's not a passport to saying silly things. It's not a passport to being out of control. It's being incredibly powerful but we get to control our own self and our own soul and be able to dedicate ourselves to the journey of growing in that. And when when you're okay with what that means, if this is a partnership with him and with us and with us and with him, this is a journey that we take. And we're gonna get it wrong sometimes and there's gonna be outbursts sometimes, there's gonna be mistakes sometimes, but we're okay, we know the scriptures and we can take this journey together and we can trust God in each other to get this right and see powerful things. As I said, everything begins as a seed. It needs to be watered and grown, and that's our role to play. But Acts 1.4, Jesus said, go into the world. But he says, wait. He said, go to Jerusalem, and you've got to wait until the Holy Spirit comes to give you power. I confronted a a really impressive man this week. It just seems to be my ministry. They stand before you, and you think, you're an impressive man. Everyone in the church would be impressed with you. And he was pushing an agenda. And this is a guy, I've got a strong relationship and he's a credible, he's a minister. Mission, a missional minister, which I love these guys because the missionals, people are those who, who get out in the community and they get to the skater park and the coffee shops and they do life with people. They're doing exactly what Jesus would do, I love it. I'll never, never disregard that, we should be doing that more and more. I said, so in what power are you doing that? Said, what do you mean? I'm being faithful. I said, how dare you? How you dare you just go out there and be faithful when Jesus said, don't try and do that without the power of the Holy Spirit. Are you going out there or is it just you being faithful or is God doing a work? Where's the fruit? And I said it much gentler than I just said that now. <laughs> <laughs> but that was my heart. I feel like a lion wanting to attack someone sometimes, especially ministers, saying, guys, wake up please wake up. We're representing the church. We're the leader of what's going to happen here. If we're going out and wearing people out and saying, get out there, you sinners, you know, get out there and do the stuff, but we haven't taken the time to wait, to tarry, to be full of the Holy Spirit and going out in what he's given us, it's going to fail. It's going to run out. We're going to run out and we're going to burn out. Filling hearts fuels mission, but we do have to fill those hearts. We do have to fill those hearts. Jesus said in Luke 10:19, 19 I, I have given you authority I've given you all that you need you need to work in that and take that authority and take it out so application for today really is just quite simple is, is are you prepared to really go to your upper room and tarry are you are you prepared to say yeah I'm going to take this journey And it doesn't mean I'm just going to be a spectator on Sunday. It just means, no, I'm going to go back to my prayer closets and and my little room and I'm going to pray and I'm going to seek God and I'm going to have faith that he can do more in my life through me because I'm going to live and I'm going to do my life and I'm going to die one day. It's probably the same fate for all of us unless Jesus comes back. That's inevitable. It's going to happen. Some of you might be more impressive than others. In in the scheme of things, it doesn't matter too much. The only thing that matters is, is have we dedicated our life to the things that matter the most? Have we borne fruit in that? And have we fulfilled our redemptive potential of doing that through the power of the Holy Spirit in our life? There's so much more. There's so much more for all of us. So I wonder where it is that you have need. I wonder where it is uh, that you need God's strength, His transformation, and His work in your life. I guarantee all of us need it in some point of our life. So will you take this journey that God's laid before us? It's, it's exciting, it's frustrating, it's frustrating, powerful it's full of a lot of joy I asked the uh, some of the prayer team those who I mentioned before that uh, are well versed in this sort of thing to pray Uh, because we're going to have a ministry time after the service and we're going to ask invite the Holy Spirit to to transform lives and hearts it's much easier when he's already spoken to us and saying pray along this way because this is what I'm doing it's much more effective if you just follow what God's doing you see a lot more rather than trying to convince him to do what you want him to do and there's a real sense, uh, a real consistent message from the team that so many of us, and it sort of makes sense with this time of year, many of us are feeling buffeted by all that life's throwing at us. We just, we're a bit worn down. Uh, we feel that things are crumbling around us, and it's just, this is October, November, this is where we just think, man, I'm just so done. But some of us, it gets critical. Some of us, it's, it's a real point uh, of a crisis of beliefs and a crisis of mental health. And God, God just wants to minister into your heart to let you know that he will be your help and your strength. And if you understand this, my my sense as I was praying was very similar to that. It's just a a permeating sense of hopelessness in a few of us. We've lost hope in God. We understand faith, but hope's letting me down. And it might be through a loss uh, that's come through God's people or or relentless circumstances of your life. Hosea 2.15 says, Trouble is the door of hope. So the trouble that wears us down ultimately should be driving us to God and becoming a door of hope when He begins to intervene. So God would really love to work in your life and heal. And it's funny, even in the midst of your trouble, I've found this so many times. In the middle of your darkest moment, even one word from God, when you know it's a word from God, just that word gets you through and turns trouble into a door of hope. Everything changes except the circumstance. It's fascinating. So let me pray and then we're going to ask you to come and get some prayer if you need that. Let's pray together. Maybe, could we stand together in God's presence? His Spirit is here. We're not talking about someone who's not in the room. Father, we acknowledge you. Holy Spirit, we acknowledge you. And Lord, I really pray right now a sense of peace, that you would just release your peace among your people. Your heart is for us. It's for our souls. It's for a sense of love and acceptance and giving us the power we need to live there is no finger pointing in here it's just the father inviting his children to come home you don't have to do this on your own there's more help for you if you'll lean in not just buckle under and try and slog it out on your own to lean into him what do you need where do you need him father we place that before us and by faith we lean into your provision There are so many areas of our life that we can't address, we can't do anything more. So now, Lord, we we say, we can't fix that, and we hand that to you. That's yours, in faith, for you to fix. And I know there are people here who are suffering illness today, and as we're worshipping, I really sense the Lord's power is here to heal. As he says in the New Testament, some moments are just a moment of healing. If you need healing, maybe just place your hand on that area of of your physical body, Father, I pray that your healing touch would come where their hand is right now. Release your healing, Father. I pray for those who are suffering from mental health issues, from the depressed. Father, I pray you'd place your hand gently on their head. And Lord, help them to correct their thinking. Make it a fair fight, Father. Lord, where chemicals are out of balance and causing things to derail, Forcing thoughts down through our soul that probably don't belong there, but we don't know anything else. Lord, I pray that you would correct that, that you'd bring the wind of your spirit to bring faith and hope and an awareness of your character and love. Come Holy Spirit. Lord, release your gifts in people's lives. Release your presence in their lives. And Father, we pray most of all, release hope into your people. Hope. Expectancy that God can do anything and probably will. Bless them with that in Jesus' name. Amen.